Good stuff. Praise God. Wow. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Ryan Tunick, our student ministry coordinator that doubles uh, in, his, in his other life as a, as a rap star uh, under the name of, of Will Tunick. Legit, uh, Will Tunick. You should check him out. Pretty awesome stuff. Um, what, a, what a last couple weeks it's been for music around here. We had Lenny Kravitz a couple weeks ago, and now this. Praise God for our, for our worship team. Give him a round, a round of applause. That's awesome. And now I will attempt to rap for you. No, I will not. That would be... We're going to leave that up to Ryan and all of that. He actually does that, so check out Will Tunick. A little plug for him. Ryan does a great job, and you wonder why the kids want to come on Wednesday night uh, to hang out. That's the kind of stuff they're doing all the time, and they have a blast and, and, and tell these kids about Jesus. So thanks to Ryan and the team and Jed for bringing us that song. It's a Lecrae uh, song as well called Calling All the Messengers. Calling All the Messengers. I love, I love that. It's a great reminder if you're new to Hope and you've been around the last couple weeks. You're like, well, we had guys shredding on guitars over here a couple weeks ends ago, and now we got hip-hop on a Sunday morning. It's a great reminder that one of our values as a church is that we worship God, not tradition, right? We worship God, not tradition. That one of the most dangerous things that you could hear around any church is, well, we've never done that before. Well, that's not the way we do it around here, right? Well, based on what? Our own ideas and preferences and our own styles or the fact that God's message can go out in a variety of ways. Whatever gets the Jesus thing going is kind of our mantra around here. And if that's a pipe organ and hymns and robes and, and any of that, we'll do that. If it's hip-hop on a Sunday morning, we'll do that as well. But God's word can go out in a variety of ways. It's not so much uh, the message never changes, but the methods that we use to communicate God's timeless word are constantly changing. And I think it's a great reminder is that God is way more concerned with the heart of the messenger than the medium that's used to communicate the message. Does that make sense? God is way more concerned with what's going on in the inside as we worship, as you stand there, as you worship, whether you got your hands in your pockets, you're looking at the ground, or you're dancing in the aisles, okay? God is way more concerned with what's going on in here, whether it's an organ or hymns or a rock concert or hip-hop. God is way more concerned with our hearts. And nobody knows that more than Jonah. So it's very fitting that that song was called Calling All the Messengers. Their messengers is that Lecrae song because that's who Jonah was. We've been in this series called A Whale of a Tale during the month of September. And that's really what the book of Jonah is all about. Jonah is a messenger calling all the messengers just as all of, we are, uh, all of us are now this morning. Jonah is a prophet that's called to bring the word of God to a people that desperately need it. But if you think about it, as you look through the story of Jonah, it, it almost didn't happen. God called out to Jonah, and that book would have been a lot shorter if Jonah would have responded to God the first time instead of going the other way and running away from God. If you think about it, because Jonah responds in our story today the second time, thousands of lives were changed because one man chose not to ignore the voice. One man chose not to ignore the voice of God. And I was thinking about that this week, and it reminds me of another tale, this one from right here in Iowa. Because in Hollywood, when you think of Iowa, what do they think of? How lives were changed when one man listened and obeyed to the voice as he was walking in his cornfield. Take a look. If you build it, they will come. And the rest is history, as we know, in Field of Dreams. A lot of people maybe think, as you look at that 
uh, clip, a lot of people think, oh, Field of Dreams, that's the one, the baseball movie, right? Oh, that's the Kevin Costner one. Oh, that's the James Earl Jones. Oh, Field of Dreams. That's the one where all these dead baseball players walk out of an Iowa cornfield. Like, I know what it's all about, right? Or some other people might say, oh, and I actually agree with this one. I I think that that movie is actually about the relationship between a father and his son. And I agree with that one. But I want to challenge you with today is to look at a familiar story in a new way. Not just Field of Dreams, but the story of Jonah to look at that story in a new way. And what I want to propose to you is that maybe Field of Dreams is actually a story about responding to the voice. If you think about it, that movie ends there. Field of Dreams is about 12 minutes long, okay, if he doesn't respond to the voice, right? And our lives as followers of Jesus are about two things. God, what are you saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower, to be a disciple. God, what are you saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? Field of Dreams ends there if he doesn't respond to the voice. And in the same way, that's how the book of Jonah would have ended. It would have been a lot shorter if Jonah would have responded to the voice, not just the voice in the cornfield, but the voice of the Almighty God. If he would have responded to that and followed God the first time, Jonah would have been, oh, I don't know, four verses long and not four chapters long. But I think if we're honest, you and I are a lot like Jonah, and a lot of times we struggle just like Kevin Costner's character there, Ray Kinsella, to hear the voice of God that calls out to us. Not just to hear it, but then to have the courage and the faith to respond to that as well. And that's why today matters. That's why this story matters. Because some of you desperately want to hear the voice. Not, hey, should I, you know, ransack my cornfield and build a baseball field. You've got some big decisions to make in your life. Some of you are desperate for wisdom. Some of you have some some big decisions. Some of you have some big, you're here today and you have some big questions about your faith as well. Some of us have some big, big questions and some of you are trying to decide all sorts of things. Some of you are trying to decide whether uh, to have kids or to have more kids. Some of you are trying to figure out how to deal with the kids that you already have uh, and some discipline issues that you're going through as well. Some of you are contemplating taking a new job or moving to a new city. Some of you are trying to figure out how how to care well and love your aging parents well. Some of you are uh, trying to decide how serious of a relationship that you're in and whether to take those next steps and whether it's moving towards marriage or not. Some of you are looking for answers for loving your kids well through some discipline issues or, or some of you honestly are here today and you just long to know him more. Some of you feel far away from God and you're like, I would do anything to hear a word from God. And way more important this morning than hearing a voice, it's hearing the voice of God. The strongest, most loving, most calming, most generous, most compassionate, most powerful voice in the entire universe is the voice of God. And the good news is just like Jonah, he is calling out to you today, calling all the messengers as the band just sang, calling all the messengers. It's not just for Jonah, it's for you. The voice of God is closer than you think. He's right next to you today, and he's calling out to you. God did not give us the book of Jonah to say, wow, look at this story of how God called out to this prophet a long time ago. God gave us the story to remind you that God is calling out to you every day. And the question is, are you listening? And so I invite you to turn in our story today to Jonah chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone, feel free to turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah is our series for September called A Whale of a Tale. Anybody else enjoying this series, of Jonah, or just me? Okay, four of you? Great. Awesome. That's great. Well, I'm just going to keep on going because I like it. Uh, it's great. I've been having a ton of fun. So two weeks ago, we learned there's three key things 
that God does in the story of Jonah, as we've kind of been looking at. Number one, a God who calls. Number two, a God who intervenes. And as we're going to focus on today, a God who redirects. A God who redirects. If you're just joining us or you need a reminder to kind of get up to speed on the book of Jonah. So God comes to Jonah, a prophet, to go and speak to these people that are running away, rebelling against God in Nineveh. Instead, Jonah goes the opposite direction, and he sails to Tarshish. Before he gets there, there's a great storm on the sea, on the boat that he's in. They throw him overboard, and while he's at sea, he gets swallowed up by a giant fish where he hangs out for three days, has kind of a change of heart, starts worshiping and, and repenting and praying to God, and then finally he kind of has this this rebirth experience, almost a baptism experience of going under the water and coming back up, experiences some new life and is spit back up on the shore. And so you think, oh, the story's going to end there because God's probably ticked at it. Some of you think God's mad at you today. And you got one shot and you messed it up. That's why today's story matters. That's why it's so powerful because we pick up the story in chapter 3 today. So Jonah chapter 3, verse one. Let's look at this. It says this, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So the exact same call that Jonah, that God gave to Jonah, right? Remember, you want to summarize the book of Jonah in a short statement? God says, go, and Jonah said, no, right? But now he said, yes. God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Time. And if you know what happened the first time, that's a powerful statement because the first time, Jonah royally screwed up, okay? But God doesn't give up. If God wants to get your attention with something, he's going to. Some of you feel like, oh, I'm going to miss it. God is way bigger than that. God is so faithful that if he wants to communicate something to you, he's going to use every mean necessary to get your attention with it. Jonah royally screwed up, and yet God comes Again, one of the prayers, one of the phrases that I teach our core class that just started last week that's going on on Sunday nights is this. When you hear something from God or you get a nudge from the Holy Spirit or you feel like God's leading you in a direction, a great simple prayer to pray is this. God, stay with me on that. God, stay with me on that. And God will be faithful to that prayer because he wants to communicate with us. But the next verse is just as incredible. Look at verse 3. Then Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh, okay? That's called Jonah saying, I'm not making the same mistake twice, right? I remember what happened the last time I went the opposite way, and I'm not going anywhere near a boat this time, okay? I am lis I'm listening to God. It's also called nothing can get in the way of God's plan. It's almost like God comes to Jonah a second time and said, you really think you're that powerful? You really think that a mistake that you made can screw up the plans that I have? Me, the almighty God of the creator of the universe, the most holy almighty God, the holy of holy. You think that you can derail my plan and my purpose for the Ninevites? And I would just say to some of you, you think that you've screwed up God's plan because of something that you did 10, 15, five years ago, last year, last month, last week. Well, I, I screwed up too badly. God can't use me. Now, see, we run into problems in our lives when instead of a big view of God and a realistic view of ourselves, <laughs> we have a very small view of God and a really big view of ourselves. We get this puffed up view of who we are and we think that we're all important, we're all powerful and we have the control in our lives when really it's God who does, the almighty God of the universe. And that's what Jonah had this problem with. He actually thought that he could run away from God. 
The same God that breathed the breath of life and spoke the universe into being from the palm of his hand. Jonah's like, maybe if I run 100 miles in the opposite direction, he won't see me. (laughs) And we forget how big God is. Some of us need to shrink our view of ourselves and enlarge our view of how big and powerful God is. And it reframes everything in our lives for us. God says to Jonah, did you forget how big I was? Some of you are up against something in your life today, and I just feel like God wants to say that to you. You forget who's writing your story. You, you really think that you can mess this up? You really think you're that powerful? God says, did you forget how big I was? And so the story continues on. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And then verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So there's the judgment upon them. And then look what happens in verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. Okay, and God's just up there in heaven looking at Jonah going, see, this could have happened a lot sooner if you had just gone, right? The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, which is just a ritual, a tradition that they had in kind of repentance and humility before God. And so now with the second chance, Jonah speaks boldly to the Ninevites and most likely hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people repent and turn back to God, all because Jonah listened to the voice of God and responded. Because he listened to the voice of God and responded. So the entire back half, the chapters three and four of Jonah, are predicated on this fact that if you've screwed up, If you've taken a wrong turn in your life, if you've messed up, if things haven't gone according to plan, God doesn't stop calling out to you. God doesn't stop speaking to you. God doesn't stop communicating even when we run away. Just like Jonah, God is in the business of taking broken, messy people and bringing redemption out of their mess. And that includes you and me broken, imperfect, messy people. And you, we know that when we're honest with ourselves. Anybody else with me? My life would be a mess if God hadn't intervened, okay? That's where we connect with Jonah. This is like Jonah's over here and we're all good goody two-shoes over here, right? We're just like Jonah. If God doesn't intervene in our story, some of you are sitting here this morning saying, I don't know where I'd be if God hadn't intervened in my life, right? We are a mess without God, right? Turn to the person next to you and very calmly say, Neighbor, you're a mess. Tell him that right now. You're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. Is <laughs> Okay, I said one phrase, not have a conversation with the person next to you. Okay? Some of you are sitting next to your spouse, and you're like, I'm taking this for all it's worth. Here's why you're a mess. You did this. Just leave it, okay? You're a mess. But isn't that a great relief? Isn't that a great relief to sit in church and look around and say, we're all the same. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I'm a mess, you're a mess without Jesus, but here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes and he brings redemption and he loves us madly right in the middle of our mess. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While Jonah was on the run, God came pursuing him. God doesn't give up on us. And Jonah can attest to this fact, God doesn't waste anything, even our screw-ups. God takes our rebellion and our wayward ways and he uses it for good. God can take even the most ridiculous ideas and use them for good. Do you need proof? You need an example? Have you heard about this Iowa State student that was at college game day last weekend? Take a look and you tell me that God can't take a horrible, horrible, ridiculous idea and continue to use it for good. Take a look. 
There are many of the time-honored themes I have leaned on in one big thing in this one. People want to do good. College football fans are awesome, and folks in Iowa are apparently the best. I feel like maybe we're a couple of days late to this one, but this story just keeps getting bigger and better, and who knows, maybe there's another gear here, another step, so let's find out. If you aren't familiar, have you heard about the 20-something-year-old guy who wanted some money for Bush Light? You're thinking, well, sure, which one? This one. Carson King, 24-year-old Iowa State fan. Like a lot of folks out in Ames, he was fired up for game day to make its first trip out for the show. It was the annual Iowa game, which only upped the ante. Carson decided he'd bring a sign asking people to Venmo him money to buy beer. His mom joked with WHO-TV in Iowa City, this is going to be a proud mom moment. My son is going to be begging for money for beer on national television, close quote. Well, mom, I bet you're proud now. Here's what happened. People naturally immediately started sending money. Lots and lots of people all over the country. King told WHO, quote, a lot of Clemson people donated. I guess they like Bush Light too, close quote. Who doesn't? He got to 400 bucks and then it was into four figures and that's a whole lot of Bush Light and that's when Carson decided this money would not be for beer. It would be for the University of Iowa's Stead Family Children's Hospital. You know the one, that's for kids who are battling cancer are fighting their fight. Kids, the teams, and fans in Iowa City waved to at the end of the first quarter of each game in Kinnick Stadium and what instantly became one of the great traditions in the sport. Bush Beard tweeted they were so fired up by what Carson was doing they would match the donation and throw in a case of beer or two for good measure. Venmo followed suit and said count us in on the matching the donation too. As of this evening, Carson had over $50,000 pledged. Now, I'm not real good at math, but if you multiply that by a couple of matching donations, that's more than $150,000 for the kids. So an Iowa State fan who made a sign as a goof gets sent more than $50,000, and instead of buying a car or going on a cruise or going to the casino, which is what 24-year-old me would have done, he decided to give the money to the hospital on the rival school's campus. Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. There you go. There you go. How cool is that, right? So that's Sports Center. That's a nationally televised uh, sports highlight show. So Scott Van Pelt, the anchor there, uh, with another famous line from what movie? Field of Dreams, right? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. So just a point of clarity. If you're new, normally we don't do endorsements for Bush Light during sermons. Um, <laughs> Not doing that, uh, certainly far from an endorsement. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Drinking, and especially college drinking, is a very real issue, and we know that a lot of you have been uh, touched by that as well, and the last thing we want to do is make light of that part of the story. So hear me say that loud and clear, but the fact that it started that way makes this even more of a powerful turnaround story, okay? What started out as a selfish self-centered, narrow-minded plea to have a better kegger, okay, turns into a donation. Now get this, as of last night at checking Twitter, close to $1 million for the children's hospital, okay? How cool is that, okay? So this guy, Carson King, He's 24. He's had to take time off of school at Iowa State to be on CNN and the Today Show and all of these things. This thing's just blowing up. And it, far beyond beer or Venmo or college game day or sports or any of these things, here's what I want you to hear. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. 
Some of you are so living in the past and you're stuck there and you think God's not big enough to take whatever that mess was in my life and redeem it for good. God is in the business of turnaround stories. Remember Saul changed to Paul? He was going to kill Christians. Ends up being the greatest church planter in the history of the church. Okay, Jonah ran away from God, gets eaten by a whale, and what does God use him to do? Preach the good news, and hundreds of thousands of people in Nineveh are saved and turn back to God. God takes a, dare I say, kind of a dumb idea from a college student for more beer, and, and God says, watch what I'm going to do with this guy. He has no idea what's coming, and all of a sudden, think of the hundreds and thousands of lives, not just the kids there with cancer, but the families that are going to be impacted by that. God is in the business of turnaround stories. God is using the same thing with Jonah. Two two chapters ago, Jonah's running away from God. Now two chapters later, God is using Jonah to change the eternal destinies of probably thousands of people in Nineveh. God does this. God is in the business of of taking people that maybe started out with agendas that were self-centered or self-serving, and he redirects our gifts and our passions to be used for his glory. A couple examples, I mean, it's the, it's the dozens of businessmen and women that work in the corporate sector in a variety of secular jobs here as a part of our community, but they've, they've volunteered and they're a part of our teams and our boards and our councils and things like that. And as they get involved in ministry here at the church, they find it so incredibly fulfilling to live for something other than meeting the bottom line. I mean, those of you that work in the, doesn't that just get kind of unfulfilling once in a while? God wants you right where he has you in your job, but don't live for it. Don't make it the thing. I mean, doesn't it just, after a while, climbing the ladder, and oh, I made 50,000, 60 grand, 70 grand, I made 100 grand this year. It still doesn't fulfill your soul, does it? No, you can get as many titles and, 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 and accolades and positions as you want. It doesn't fill you up. It's the, it's the artists and musicians that God has also redirected their past. We have so many creatives, as you've heard and seen this morning. Graphic designers, painters, sculptors, singers, instrumentalists, hip-hop artists in our church, right? And it's amazing to see when God redirects their agenda in a, in a, in a culture of the arts and music and things like that where it's very self-centered and it's all about me and how do I grow my platform and my fan base, God says there's one platform that matters, and that's when you live for an audience of one. And that's going to fill you up like nothing else. It's the, it's the, 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 the contractors and the artists and the, the, the craftsmen that it literally came out of the woodwork to help uh, renovate this facility when we moved in here for the first time, giving of their time, and they've done it again. Now that we're making this transition, hopefully, to a new facility as well, people don't even know what they're volunteering for. I've had general contractors come up to me, interior designers, painters, carpenters, uh, welders. You name it, they've come out of the work to say, John, I want to be a part of what God's doing because I love my job and I absolutely believe that God wants you there, but he wants to refocus the primary driving purpose of your life from the bottom line or climbing the ladder or making ends meet or making that next sale to something that's actually going to fulfill your soul, and that's building God's kingdom. It's the people in this church that God has blessed financially, and you don't have a lot of time, but man, you have a lot of money. Let's just say it. And it's the dozens of people that God has blessed financially that have discovered the absolute ridiculous amount of joy that comes when you give instead of hoarding it for yourself. It's so opposite of what the world teaches. The world says, just get as much as you can. And then and then sit on that can. Put it in a can and sit on that can. So don't let anybody else have it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
It's when you give your life away that all of that joy comes back, the joy of generosity. Some of you, maybe the first third of your life, the first half of your life, depending on your age, the first three quarters of your life has been spent building your kingdom. And God's calling out to you today, saying, now, come with me and let's build a kingdom that's going to last for eternity, that's actually going to fulfill your soul. Align your agenda of your life with God. God is constantly redirecting our path, just like Jonah. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of you here this morning that are like, I want that, John. I need need to refocus my purpose. I want a fresh start. Some of you are here this morning as we've talked about, and you're like, I'm just like Jonah. I need need not just a second chance. I need a third chance. I need a fourth chance. Still, others of you are in the middle of a big decision this morning, and you're desperate for wisdom, and you long to hear God's voice. The good news is that Jonah is not just a story about a crazy guy that got eaten by a whale. The story of Jonah is about an ordinary person that despite their mistakes and their flaws and their brokenness, God spoke to again and again and again. Some of you think that your past has disqualified you. God says your past has prepared you for the future. It hasn't disqualified you. It's prepared you. And just like Jonah, I've got big things in store for you. God says, don't forget how big I am and what I can do. God's voice is closer than you think. But a lot of you here, I guarantee, are asking, so how do you hear it? <laughs> like, I don't want to preach a whole sermon to you about like, hey, and you should listen to the voice of God like Jonah. And most of you are probably sitting there going, how? <laughs> how do I do that, right? So I want to get really practical for the last few moments that we have and talk about, is this a thing that just happens with like biblical heroes long ago? Or can we actually like hear from God as well? You know, God spoke to Jonah and Jonah spoke to God. They had this relationship, or God spoke to Moses, or Abraham, or Joshua, or Isaac, or David, or any of these great Bible heroes. God spoke to these people, and then they spoke back. Is that a Bible thing, or does that still happen? And because, first of all, if we're honest, there's a good number of you here today that say, oh, no, 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 hearing the voice of God, hearing from God, that's a Bible thing. That's for, you know, other Christians. Not me. I hear a lot of people say, I'm a pretty normal Christian, I'm I'm an ordinary Christian. If you have the same spirit of God living in you that rose Jesus from the dead, you're not normal, baby. God's filled you with courage and boldness and go live it out, okay? There's no normal, ordinary Christians. Hearing the voice of God isn't just for Hollywood and Kevin Costner and Cornfields. It's for you. This is normal. God's word tells a much different story. Look at a few of these verses. Let's start in Psalm 32. This is what God says about our relationship with him. Let's read this together, what God says to us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. God wants to have this relationship with us. And Jesus picks up on this in John chapter 16. Let's read this together, what Jesus tells his disciples. I have much more to say to you, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. I want, when I ascend to heaven, I'm going to send my spirit to live inside of you, and that same spirit that called out to Jonah now lives inside of you. The voice of God is closer than you think, and if there was any, any mystery about it, Jesus just nails it on the head as he's talking to his disciples in John chapter 10. He's using this analogy that Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep, okay? John chapter 3, 
excuse me, chapter 10, verse 3. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Get this. He calls his own sheep by name. Some of you think that when God speaks, it's like, I love the whole world. All, you know, I love Des Moines, right? Or even like all of Hope Des Moines. God loves you. God's crazy about you. God knows your name. God's calling out to you today. He calls you by name and he leads them out. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. There's no asterisk on John 10 that this is just for like the Billy Grahams and the Mother Teresas and like the Pope and like pastors and worship leaders. Jesus is describing the normal relationship that we have with him, with God, the normal Christian life. This isn't a one-sided thing of like, hey, shoot a few prayers up to heaven. Is there any more dangerous phrase in the Christian life than shoot a few prayers up to heaven? I hear people say that a lot, or they'll come to me, and I guess it's the whole like pastor thing or something like that. They think that somehow I have this like, special, like, I got God on speed dial, you know, so I got something in my life. Pastor John, can you send a few up there for me? Can you upload a few prayers? And I'm like, I, I will pray for you, and I do pray for all of you as a church on a regular basis, but you have the same access to God that I do, that anybody has ever had. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. And the problem with send a few prayers up to heaven is that we now have labeled prayer as a one-way street. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In the, in the Bible, prayer and having a conversation with God, walking with him, isn't a one-way thing. It's a conversation. We're hearing from God. He's listening to us. But when you hear that, chances are, you're like most people, you're like, oh, that's great, John, but I've never heard God. So uh, he must not be speaking to me because I haven't heard him. I mean, I haven't heard, like, driving down the road, you know, and it's like, you should work at Wells Fargo, you know? Like, you've never <laughs> heard that, Right? You know, I walk in the door of my house and then you're just kind of like waiting for the next step. Like, have Mexican for dinner tonight. You know, like some of you have never heard that. So you're like, well, I guess God doesn't speak because I've never heard him speak audibly to me. Well, then we've decided that God can only speak one way. Now, does God speak audibly? Yes, but I think God speaks in a lot of different ways. So before you write this off today, I want to challenge you with four key ways that I believe that God communicates to us, four key ways to grow in how you recognize God's voice. If you want to write these down and take them home, let's just get really practical for a second, okay? Number one, how do we hear God's voice? Number one, you get alone with this book. You know the word of God. And I know it sounds like a broken record and like, well, John, you're my pastor, so you should probably say that, right? Probably get paid every time you say read the Bible, right? (laughs) I'm not just saying this to you as your pastor. I'm saying this to you as your friend, as your brother in Christ. Get alone with this book. God wants to communicate with you. And to some of you today, he's saying, I miss hanging out with you. There's no guilt and shame in that. A lot of you just have a lot of guilt and shame around, I haven't read my Bible in months. What if Pastor John, you know, found out? It doesn't matter what I think, it's what God thinks. And he just loves you. He just wants to hang out with you. And he says, I miss hanging out with you. I got 66 really good books of a love letter to you that I want to communicate with you. And here's what happens when we read the Bible. We don't just learn the story. We get to know God's character, and we learn how to recognize his voice. And so in the midst of all the voices in the world, the more time you spend with somebody, the more you recognize their voice, right? Think about the person that knows you the best. 
Okay? Think about uh, your, your spouse or your, your best friend or your, uh, somebody in your small group, uh, your, your parent, a child, somebody whose voice that you recognize. When they call you on the phone, do you have to explain who you are every time? Right? When my wife calls me, I don't have to say, hey, and she's like, who is this? And I'm like, this is your husband. I know we've been through this before, but my name is John. You know, we met about 15 years ago. We met at college. You know, I, I don't have to go through that every time. Why? Because all I have to say is, hey. And she says, hey. And that's how God wants it with you. That when you spend time with him in the Bible and prayer, you learn to recognize each other's voice. And some of the best prayers are, hey, God, I'm really hurting right now. I'm really struggling. I'm really sad. I'm really afraid. I'm really lonely. I'm really happy. I have a lot of joy. I'm really grieving right now. Whatever it is, talk to him like you would the person that knows you the best. We were designed for a conversational relationship with God. And the more we read the Bible, the more that we recognize his voice. If we don't take the time to read about how God has spoken in the past, why do we think that we're going to recognize his voice that's calling us into the future? Get to know this book. So that's number one. Number two, how do you hear the voice of God? Make space for silence and stillness in your life. We live in a world, in a culture, even in the church, we have a really hard time with silence. That was five seconds, and some of you are so uncomfortable right now, okay? (laughs) Five seconds. How noisy is your life? As you think about as you go throughout your day, you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Scroll through your feed, right? Whether it's on or not, okay, it's visual clutter. Some of you, your house is spotless, your car is spotless because the amount of noise in your life, it's audible clutter. Your heart and your mind and your emotions are so filled with noise, (laughs) No wonder we can't hear the voice of God. That from the moment you get up to the moment that you go to bed, your face is constantly in a screen. You get in your car, and what do you do? You turn on the radio. You turn on music. You get to your office. You have all these screens up and constant beeps and noises and notifications and from Facebook Messenger and text and email and all that stuff. And you get home. You flip on the TV. You put your kids in front of the TV. You're on your phone. Constant, 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 constant noise. Could it be that our inability to hear from God is directly related to the amount of noise in our lives? Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. Know God's word. Turn down the noise in your life. How do we hear the voice of God? Number three, we walk with God. Notice I didn't say prayer, but that's what I mean. Okay, because when I I say prayer, that comes with all sorts of assumptions, and I guarantee half of you are sitting there going, I'm not good at it. I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed out loud. If I was going to pray to God, I wouldn't even know what to pray about, right? I can't see him, and then I'm a weird person because I'm talking to the air. I'm talking, I don't know how to pray, right? I didn't say prayer. I said walk with God because instead, what if you view prayer as a conversation with God throughout your day? I'm driving to work in the morning. I'm sitting in my cubicle at work. I'm dropping the kids off at practice. I'm picking them up from school. I'm with my friends out for a social event in the middle of a, an argument with my spouse as I'm disciplining my kids, wherever, as I'm playing, whatever, I'm inviting God there. I always kind of laugh when people pray, God, I invite you here. We invite your spirit to be here. And I think sometimes God in his humor, because God invented laughter, God's up in heaven going, hello, I'm already here, right? I've been here the whole time, okay? I'm already at your workplace. I'm already in that meeting that you're going to have with your boss later this week. I'm already in that argument that you're going to have with your spouse. I'm already on your vacation five years from now. 
So maybe instead of inviting God to join us in what we're doing, we should say, God, how can we join you in what you're up to in my life? God is inviting us into what he's already doing to hear from him. What if in every conversation that you had as you walk with God, as you're having a horizontal conversation with anybody in your life, the person in front of you, what if you're also having a vertical conversation with the spirit of God? God, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to do in this meeting, in this interaction? People that walk with God and pray continually are people that are having two conversations, horizontal and vertical, constantly. No these and thous. You don't have to pray in the King James Version. Just talk to God as you would your best friend. Walk with God. If you're like me, you struggle with this. I know, big shocker, I talk a lot more than I listen. Okay, my prayer life is about 90-10, 90% talking. Gimme, gimme, I want, I want, I want. Maybe some of you, your prayer life is like that, and it's about 10% listening. What if you flip that? If there's no other voice we need to hear other than the voice of God, boy, we would listen a lot more. And as we learn to hear from God, then we say, if I heard something in prayer, then I can hold that up against God's word. Some of you, you know, I, oh, I think I heard I'm supposed to leave my spouse. I, I, I think I heard I'm supposed to take this job and, and quit this job. I think I heard I'm supposed to, you know, get my kid involved in 17 different sports. Okay, that's what you heard. Have you lined that up against God's word? What might God have to say about that? The same is true for the next step, right? We don't want to just walk with God. We also, God has given us people around us. How do we hear from God? We lean into trusted community. And notice I said trusted community because I think we all have those friends. Does anybody have a friend that you are really fun and you love to hang out with, but you wouldn't trust their opinion one iota? Anybody got some friends like that, right? Boy, this has been great. I'm really never going to take advice from you, right? They're just not that type of friend, right? And that's okay, okay? But when it comes to trusted friends, those are the people that are pursuing God as well. And when you read God's word and then you listen to your friends, you go, oh, I know I can trust them because their hearts and their character sounds like a lot like the heart and character of God. And then you line those up together and say, oh, that's a trusted friend. How did you make the last decision that you made? Like bigger, not what to have for dinner, but like a big decision, like who to marry, what job to take how to love your kids well, what should go on your calendar, what the priorities in your life should be, where you should go to church. How did you make that decision? Well, I read a blog on Facebook. It was really cool. This is what other people have said. This seems like what everybody else is doing. Did you ask God and did you ask anybody else? Sometimes God wants to communicate to us through the people that are already around you in your life. Why this big decision to make? I didn't hear from God. No, but seven of your best friends encouraged you to do the opposite of the decision you made, but you didn't listen to them. That was God. God's like, I was there, and I was there, and I was there, and I was there, but you didn't listen to any of them. You just go based on your feelings or what seems right or what everybody else is doing, or do you listen to God and do you listen to others? If you need help with this, I, I can't encourage you enough to take this class. Let prayer change your life. It starts in a couple weeks. It'd be a great opportunity to take that next step in developing your prayer life. But let me say this, at the same time, there might be some of you today that are desperate to hear from God, and the part of Jonah's story that you resonate the most with was the three days he was stuck in the belly of the whale, because God was gone, or at least it felt like it. Some of you have unanswered prayers that have been going on for years, months, days, and God seems distant. I guarantee if you feel far away from God today, he's not the one that left. He never leaves you. His voice is closer 
than you think. And it's really easy to assume that because we're not hearing that God has stopped speaking. When nothing could be further from the truth. Some of you, it almost feels like, well, if like your prayer was like, you know, a paper airplane that you're like, you know, sending some prayers up to God. <laughs> feels like nobody's responding. And it's hard and it's frustrating. Take a look at this last video and be encouraged that sometimes the way that God answers our prayers is in a completely different way than we expected. Take a look. Some of you need to hear this this morning. No prayer is ever wasted. No prayer that you have offered down on your knees by the side of your bed in the quietness of your own car sobbing and you thought no one knew. Not one of those prayers or those pleas to God for whatever it is in your life has ever been wasted. Sometimes God wants to enlarge our perspective. Sometimes he calls us to wait. Sometimes he calls us to, to not be so focused on exactly the answer that we think it's going to be to broaden our perspective. God is always speaking. God is always sending messages to us. It just may not be like we think. And just like the story of Jonah, just like our story, God was there the whole time sending those messages. They were there. God is there the whole time working behind the scenes and nothing could be more true even for us in our story as a church right now as well. If you've been around the last couple weeks, you know that God has intervened in our story in a pretty amazing way. I mean, the last few years as a church, as we've been continuing to grow and ministries have expanding as well, there's been a lot of prayers that we've prayed as a church as well. I mean, we, you look around and some of you have had the joy, depending on what service you come to, of, you know, sitting in the lobby or sitting outside in the hallway at a class. Like, God, what are we going to do? Like, ministries are growing and we don't want anything to get in the way of your mission. So we've been, we've been praying about that for years and we've just been sending these messages to God, and we've been asking God for wisdom and direction on the few, oh, look at that, the future of our church. It's been wondering what to do, and especially last fall during the campaign, we're like, God, you know, what do you want us to do? And sorry if it's your first time here and I hit you in the head. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and we've been sending these prayers to God. Whoa, just wondering, God, what should we do? And wondering, some fall flat. And sometimes you feel like your prayers don't go anywhere. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we sent all those prayers. And then it's like we thought God responded, right? It's like, God, where are you? And so, oh, we got this, this, this facility to our north. It's, it's 8,000 square feet. It's, it's going to be great. And this is the answer to our prayer. And then like God does, he shows up in a can't-miss way with this giant, giant message. And he's like, here. How about instead of that, you have this, 63,000 square feet right across the street from Drake University in a 700-seat worship center and a huge fellowship hall and more classrooms and space for ministry and outreach to the city than you would ever dare imagine. How about I just drop that right into place? How about I just, I just put that right in front of you? Like, is this can't miss answer to prayer? And sometimes God does that. He just shows up in unbelievable ways and says, you think it was that? Just like Jonah, God says, did you forget how big I am? Did you forget what I'm capable of in your life? And, and God does that. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. I mean, this is way bigger than me. It's way bigger than any of us. It's a God thing. And we want to invite you to come along for the ride. And so tomorrow night is our vision night that we've been talking about. 
from 6 to 8, we want to encourage you to come, invite a friend to see what God's going to do in our community. And again, if you can't make that, we're doing the Facebook Live event the next night as well. We want you to feel a part of this process, to ask as many questions as you want about this opportunity that God has floated our way here. Drop off your questions in the back. Join us for Facebook Live. Email us, call us. We want to know what your questions are as well. I want to be honest with you for a second and say this has been, been quite the ride. A couple weeks ago before I announced it to you for the first time, I was really nervous. I was really stressed out. I wasn't sleeping well that week. I'm just like, God, is, is this what you want us to do? Trying to hear the voice of God? Listen on behalf of our church and with our leadership team. Is this what you want? And so I was eating with my, my group of guys, my, my triad of guys. And as we do every week, we met and we shared what's going on in our lives. And speaking of hearing from God through trusted community, I was just sharing about, oh, what if I don't preach it right? And what if I say this wrong? And what if I use the wrong illustrations? And what if people don't like the new church? And all these things that could possibly go wrong and everything. And I just completely lost track of the mission of God. And one of my buddies looked at me. And he said, hey, John, permission to speak freely? And I said, yeah, of course. He kind of scooted up his chair there in the restaurant. He looks right at me and he said, John, do you really think that you can screw up the plans that God has for this city? AKA, did you forget how big I am, God says? And that sort of put me back in my place to realize it's not about me, it's not about you. This is a God thing. And we want you to be a part of that. Nothing can derail the plans of God. He invites us to join him in what he's already doing in the lives that he's changing now and in this new neighborhood that we're headed towards this next year. And I'll be honest with you, for some of you who are like, man, John, I would love one of those answers to prayer. I've been shooting those babies up for years and I haven't got anything that looks like this. And I want you to hear this. Even if you're desperate to hear from God today, even if he feels so far away, God doesn't stop speaking. God says, I haven't given up on you, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're in the middle of, whatever your mess is today. It may not look like that, but God says I'm there. And how do I know that? Throughout the Bible, God always speaks in this still, small voice. You ever wondered why? You whisper when you're close. God whispers to us because he wants to be close to us. You don't whisper from a distance. You whisper right there. And God is calling out, calling all the messengers, calling out to you. Jesus is calling out to you this morning. I want to have a relationship with you. Seek me every single day. And his love is for you. So as we sing this final song, listen to God. Pray to him. Make this your prayer. God, thank you for loving me. I want to hear from you this week. Let's be fully present to God. Let's stand and let's sing as we close together.